What's up, Internet? It's Chris Krug. I'm checking in here today with Chris Perillo. What's up, man? Uh, I'm on my second cup of decaf. What's up with that? Decaf? Because uh, apparently I can no longer buy caffeinated beverages. Eliza, I was too excitable. And they said, nope, yeah. you're done. You are one of the highest energy guys I know. You can't kick the morning ritual of the coffee or something? Yeah, that's the problem. Is I, I just My body couldn't take caffeine anymore a couple of years ago. And it is the ritual. I just fascinating. enjoy that. I've always wondered who decaf exists for. I'm like, get in or get out. But For me, I'm vegan. And so I have it with a, a heavy cream like alternative. Like it's made of coconut milk. And it's just yeah. it's a nice, rich, hearty beverage that I have in the morning. I'm so intrigued by that. You're a vegan? Yeah, I flipped about six years ago. I've been hanging out with some vegans lately. You guys are an interesting bunch. We're stealthy like that. You don't realize it until we like pick up a carrot. And uh -huh. you know we're vegan because we'll tell you. CrossFit and veganism, right? And AI. You're a prompt engineering AI. crossfitting vegan, man. <laughs> are you one of those kind of vegans that actually eats real food? Carrots and stuff? No. I'm a junk food vegan, right? I'll eat if it's not animal-based. The reason or the primary reason I switched was I was 44 or 45 and just realized that I'm not getting younger and yeah. had always been worried about my heart health specifically. And that was the one thing I'd never tried. And my cholesterol came into normal levels and I was able to balance it. I still eat a lot of garbage that I shouldn't eat. It's without the guilt and yeah. it's knowing that I'm on a better path now than I was five years ago. I'm vegan for life. I went to this vegan dumpling place last night in the middle of the night. It was a speakeasy. It was the craziest place. It was an all vegan dumpling place. And we ordered pork shumai, essentially. It was so realistic and so incredible that the vegan that I was with couldn't even eat it at all. They got meated out on how not vegan it was. Yeah, I'm telling you, you can have uh, something that is quote unquote vegan, right? Or yeah. plant-based or whatever the marketing term is of the day and not know it. I could give someone a fully plant-based food product, right? And they wouldn't know. If you didn't tell them, they wouldn't know. And I, I can guarantee here in the States, they're very much of the mindset, it's vegan, therefore it's evil. You don't realize just how much garbage you eat yeah. that you wouldn't realize that by replacing it with something that might be just maybe a little better. And, and the, the complaint is, well, that's all processed food. And I do the whole, remember the animated GIF of the pug that's sitting there and it goes, that's my reaction. Hang on. You're getting on my case about eating processed food, Mr. Right. McDonald's? Yeah. Okay. Totally. Okay. Hilarious. All right. My big epiphany this week has been like, you don't got to be a vegan to eat vegan food. You can just eat vegan food sometimes or vegetarian food, and that doesn't make you anything other than an omnivore. That's it. I feel like it's the right path for me, and I've got it's my body. I've got proof that it works. In yeah, more ways than I mean, one. the proof is in the pudding. You are like 85 years old. Now you look better than ever. <laughs> yeah, that's the cryogenic chamber. The proof is in the pudding, but I can't eat pudding. It's the, I haven't found a non-dairy pudding yet. So Gelat oh, Hooves and snouts? Jelens, yeah. Can't do gelatin. This uh, has been the longest, most meandering pre-roll for uh, a video that's about tech. But the reason why I invited Chris on the show, I went to his conference in 2006 called Gnomedex. It was a fucking amazing community, but dude, who is the locker gnome and what was gnome decks? I keep wondering that myself. I've been on such a, and, and uh, as old as I am, because I just turned 50 this year. 
on, on, in internet years, I feel like I'm even older because yeah, you I did start. Absolutely 10,000 years older <laughs> in internet <laughs> years. Yeah. In the mid nineties, that's how Lockernome came to be an email newsletter. I would find interesting websites and we've come full circle. I'm still finding interesting websites. It's just, they happen to be AI can do this. AI can do that. And you can do this and that. I was doing that back in the mid nineties. Yeah. Not AI, but discovery. I'm all about putting these stories down on the permanent record, this historical stuff. So no, tell me again, the story of who is the locker gnome? Me. I have no other way of defining it apart from, it was a high school nickname and I needed a web domain and I was stupid and registered locker gnome instead of a single word domain.com. And I could have been retired eons ago. I started podcasting in 2006 and then gave it up for mm, 17 years. I totally know what you mean. Yeah. Chris has been around since the beginning. He's building websites in the 90s, lived through the Web 2.0 content revolution. Here you are again, messing with uh, AI and all the kind of newfangled shit coming out and reinventing yourself once again. You have to, though. And I don't see... AI is just a buzzword. Let me take a step sideways here. I don't catch every single trend that comes down the pike. I just totally ignored crypto and blockchain and NFTs and Web3. I get it. I understand its value, but it didn't resonate with me at when I some people pivoted, right? They went from yay crypto to yay AI. A lot of people know where you're going with this i walk the same path and i believe the reason is probably because you're more of a content creator than an entrepreneur mm. i was watching mm -hmm. your thing on geekwire the other day where you were talking about never receiving investment and bootstrapping them the ground up you're like i wouldn't even know what to do with the money if it came and they gave it to me i think the people that pivoted from web3 straight into ai were guys trying to build internet businesses specifically more than people who are just like producing content for the love of it and yeah. so ai yeah. Well, AI woke me from my slumber. Pandemic was ending. I was starting to reinvent myself as a photographer. AI comes around and completely woke me because of its ability to specifically around like creating stuff, putting it out there, finding my voice, building an audience around that, getting it out into the world. It was the stuff that really got me going again. That's something that always excites me about technology. I don't get excited for the sake of it, right? A new iPhone comes out. I don't get all that excited. I'm using an iPhone right now connected to the Mac by way of a continuity camera, but mm -hmm. hardware doesn't do it for me. Software does it for me. And specifically what that software does, what it enables. Don't yeah. tell me a feature, tell me its impact. That's where the excitement in me is. And you're right. I feel like in the past, I used to be very content minded. Everything I looked at, I, I figured out, okay, that could be content. This is before the, the term quote unquote influencer was around. Sure. And if you want to label me that fine, I'm not saying you will. I bridle at it because I feel influence is a byproduct of creation and I'm not being all hoity-toity about it. No Kardashian, that's for sure. Oh, it does bring with it some kind of negative connotations of like, yo, can I speak to your manager? Don't you know I'm a restaurant critic influencer here? Yeah, that, that doesn't rub me the right way. I fell into entrepreneurialism as a way to make the content work. Chris, you're talking about reinventing. I don't it's hard to do. And I've tried over and over again. And it, you know, the world has changed. The internet has changed. And I've had people ask, you know, going all the way back, even before we knew each other say, Hey, why don't you do something like you did at tech TV? Because I used to host a, a cable television show two decades ago. And then yeah. when I remind people 
I said, that was two decades ago, dude. They're like, what? No. I'm like, it was two decades ago. Yeah, you're so, old, bro. But they asked, why can't it be that way again? I'm like, because the internet exists. And you've got YouTube and Twitch and Kick now and so many algorithms either accelerating or punishing you for how you do things. And that is where I have been tripped up for the longest time. I know. I've heard you ranting a lot lately um, about the algorithm. I, I, For the people who get it, I get it. And I understand how it, 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 it forces everybody to up their game, but it becomes that much more of a challenge to play the game. And the enjoyment of the game is not me. Let's bring everybody topic. else into what we're talking about here. So uh, let me try to set the stage. You tell me where I'm wrong. So to be an internet guy, an influencer, a YouTube sensation, to do the thing, the reinvention that you're talking about now requires like doing serious SEO keyword monitoring and making videos based on what people want to watch as opposed to what you are passionate about or interested in or whatever. So you're literally doing two hours of research in the morning trying to figure out what people are searching for on YouTube before you make your videos and you're making videos that adapt directly to those people. That's the model these days, right? Generally speaking, although I'll go a step further. It's not so much even that because there's stiff competition, but the video itself, at least in relation to YouTube, engagement time is everything because if you, you could have, I've got like 330,000 subscribers on, on YouTube, but the problem is if the first few people who see that video don't engage with the video, most of those subscribers will never see it hit their feed mm -hmm. because YouTube will basically punish you if you do not create a video that improves engagement because that's that's what YouTube wants. It wants engagement. It doesn't want creators. It wants engagement. And there's a difference. So pardon, but I don't really swallow the tripe of we're all about creators. I'm like, no, you're all about money, dude. And creators just so happen to be the way that, that you make your money. Let's let's just put it on the table. That's, that's yeah. the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise... I, I would not have had to basically stop because I just couldn't years ago, this would have been about 10 years ago is really when algorithmic feeds became, became the norm in social media. And you might remember you referenced 2006 blogs, podcasts, you very much had to, to roll your own audience. You had to press the flesh and you had to get out and you had to make legitimate connections and build relationships. Now it's turnkey. And now it's scalable. And now it's that that's what made these companies like Facebook, X, or Twi Twitter back then, right? Even though the beginning of Twitter, it, there was no algorithm. It was just this home feed where you were following literally everybody on Twitter. Yeah. Um, that was, it was different. And creating content, I I just fell naturally into social media. I'm like, this is great. This is wonderful. Oh my God. This, and then, then they turned it off here like facebook yeah come on in come on build your audience here right build it here i'm like yeah okay that's great this is awesome oh my god this is so great yeah. and then they turned it off and you wonder what the hell happened and mm. i would say there for me there'd been a dark has been a dark period for a number of years and it's taken a lot for me to get my bearings again yeah i have i've done a lot of soul searching to figure out what it is that i want to do what it is that i can do what it is that i do well yeah and Went working for uh, Intel for about four years, and I'm still, I'm on the job market because I feel like I could, got a lot of experience to lend, yeah, someone or something. But until that happens, I've got to invest in myself, and the best way to invest in myself is to double down on the assets that I have and play the game the way it needs to be played. So I'm basically having to dive into savings, and pay for what needs to happen in order to make what it is that I want to do ha happen. Totally. In the sense that I might be good in front of the camera but I'm not good at figuring out the YouTube thing the way it's played right now. So yeah, I've got to outsource editing. I've got to outsource a lot of that optimization and trajectory. I've got to even outsource writing despite being a writer because 
writing is all about the engagement that you get. You have to hit certain points in order to flatline, which is good with the engagement. You want that. You need that because that's the only way, the only way I'm going to be able to take hold again. It's no longer sufficient just to do a video. That's the bare basics. Wow. So you are being very strategic about the videos you're making. Talk to me a little bit about the strategy that you piece back. To Actually, before you do, I wanted to say one thing. The pandemic for me was very much, I think, what it was for you as well. I was able to do some soul searching. I was a pretty much a perpetual motion machine right up until the pandemic started. Like I came back from a six-month trip doing photo shoots in Africa a month before the pandemic started, and everything went from 60 to just zero overnight. And I rented a farm, and I grew some vegetables and some animals and some ganja, and I had a great time, but I really things dried up all the way and I did do some soul searching during that time and I wasn't even sure things were ever going to fire back up like they had before I I literally had given up the idea of being a world travel photographer traveling around doing stuff I I just I wasn't sure if that was ever going to happen again and as it has started to fire back up I'm going to say since last December for me and stuff it's been a process of very intentionally putting the pieces back together in a way that like I feel a little bit more in control of instead of like it uh, yeah. controlling me or whatever. Yeah. Chris, man, I feel that pain. I so much, I've got a family to support, right? A wife, a child. And I, I was always, I was an entrepreneur, right? I carved out my own career path before there was a career path. That's not braggadocious. It's just flat fact. It's undeniable for 25 years. It's just, it's what I did or tried to do. Yeah. You've been an independent creative publisher on the internet for 25 years. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's, that was the hardest part is like the wanting to tether myself, not to a, a previous success. Cause there's always, what can I do next? What can I do? How can I do this differently? What the game's changed? How do I play it now? Mm -hmm. And what's the best way to do it? And so that's hence the idea of, again, going to work for Intel, which is great. It was steady income, which I never had in my life, but it helped pay the bills. And that's where coming back to doing things, how could I do things on my terms instead of the world forcing me to deal with it on their terms? And that's what I found even working on LinkedIn or working through LinkedIn. I hate yeah. LinkedIn. I yeah. absolutely loathe it. There's absolutely nothing I liked about it. I hate it. I absolutely hate LinkedIn. Because it's just, it's not my place. There's nothing warm about it. I feel like I have to wear a tie every time I scroll on the feed. I'm like, people actually enjoy this? I'm like, I am not that guy. Uh, okay, I agree with you for the most part. But in the last six months, as it started to take off again, I found that I've been able to insert my pirate messages into what's usually a pretty stuffy environment and finding like it works for engagement. Like it might not be the best representation of my professional brand, but right. by hopping in there without my suit and tie on and just being my renegade pirate self, I feel like maybe I am injecting a little bit more you know, awesomeness into the LinkedIn world or something like that. So here's what I'm doing. Feel free to take the ball and run with it. But like I was doing, I, I still am doing these little shorts where like the tech news of the day, uh, Amazon announces something or Microsoft does this or heaven forbid, Elon Musk decides blah, blah, to blah, yeah. whatever. And I'll do, I'll shoot it live to tape. I'll set up my, my, my phone and just shoot 60 seconds done. It's a package. I could upload it to this channel that whatever I could put it, whatever. So I'm putting that despite it not really being linked any, yeah. like LinkedIn is more like career building and, and whatnot. Sometimes I, I hit a, a hot button topic 
and it resonates and then you get responses, which of course drives engagement. And what I'm doing with that is less about, I'm not making any you know money doing these little video shorts, but there's a chance. My thinking is again, controlling your own destiny with content. I'm thinking someone's going to hit that. They don't know who I am, or maybe they haven't seen me in a while. And they just so happen to find there's a, a career opportunity or a job opportunity or a for hire opportunity. I'm like, we'd be really good for being a spokesperson or helping us engage with this guy. Yeah. And I will have put out instead of continuing to send out resume only to be rejected by AI mm-hmm. or having a resume that it, honestly, my, my resume is garbage. It is hot garbage. And people say, Oh, you got to optimize. I'm like, I don't, I, the last job I might've had was, was like in, in the mid nineties, I was out of I'm doing pizza hut deliveries. It's, that doesn't play well. If you look at an entrepreneur's re- an entrepreneur's resume, like it just looks like they did 25 years of nothing when they did 25 years of survival, which is everything. But to right. translate that and, and cram it into a job opportunity, y- y- it's difficult to go through a hiring manager who doesn't have the context when they're looking at this this sheet of paper. It just if doesn't I, add up. It just if it, I'm it, to put myself in amazing. the shoes of the hiring manager, I know I've been like sitting ringside on this path that you've been on there for a while. I've been listening to you talk about your search and your frustrations with it and trying to put your round peg in the square holes. Don't you think that maybe those hiring managers are just thinking that you're a bit of a wild card and or your brand and your personality is bigger than almost anybody that could hire you, I think might possibly be a part of it. Whereas you're like, yo, I'll bring my 300,000 subscribers to your world. Think about how much intrinsic benefit there is to me doing something like that. They're like, whoa, you're always going to be bigger than us. No, I've never, no, I've never used that on the resume, at least. I've always put down practical experience that I feel is applicable to any particular role that I might apply for, whether it's content, community. Like, I'd want you to be my spokesman for my company, but I'd be afraid the first time I tell you something that you don't like, you're just going to bounce back into your old amazing world anyway, because you're fucking good. At least that's the impression that people might have from the outside. So welcome to the problem. Yeah, I know. It's like you're, I'm either underqualified or overqualified. Now I'm, I know I'm running into ageism. So it's an issue. But what else am I going to do? And I, I've had this discussion with my dad recently. You're going into savings. I'm like, savings is going to be gone at some point. And if, I, if I'm sitting here a year from now, still wondering what's happening next, I will have lost all that time. Then the money would it may be dwindling faster, but at least there's an opportunity to turn a thousand dollars into ten thousand. Yeah. And that the best opportunity that I have with my resources right now is specifically to reinvest in myself. Absolutely. Reinvest in the thing that I feel is the most viable. And that is specifically YouTube, is where a lot of that's made. And talk to me about the physical community stuff too. So I noticed you started convening people in Seattle again. Yeah. Again, when you're in between and you're trying to figure out where are things going? I've been fascinated by technology and being a creator and working with technology and entrepreneurialism and all these things. And I thought there've got to be other people who are you know, equally as fascinated by these kinds of conversations. So effectively, yeah, I figured out if I just put a finer point on it, I could host an event somewhere in Seattle, bring people together and have conversations. So I, I've done two of them. The next one's happening tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. It, it's free. 
be hosted at the Microsoft Redmond reactor, free parking, free admission, free beverages. Like it's not okay. But so my impression is, dude, you're bringing a lot of people together who want to talk about stuff and share common interests. Isn't that, isn't there a, a business in there? Yeah, there is. But the thing but is, you're like small potatoes. It's not where I'm you're going. Small, yeah. It's not right now. We're nowhere near escape velocity. We're yeah. nowhere near what it might need to be. And so I, if, in many ways, I'm testing the waters. Have you I'm seen like, what Jeremiah Owang's doing down in the Bay Area? Oh, yeah. the, Bay Area the Bay Area is known to be the Bay Area. And things Dude, are popping and popping. In the last two weeks, has just exploded onto the scene. He started holding those llama events or whatever. He's getting a 1,000 people to sign up for him. All of a sudden, now he's publishing a an AI events around the world newsletter that's got thousands of subscribers. He launched a Slack, Slack channel. All of a sudden it's fucking blowing up and shit. Like it feels yep. like there is a bonafide uh, value in bringing folks together around this shit. And that's what I'm trying to lay the foundation for. Yeah. But, Talk to me know, about I, the other prongs of that strategy. So you're doing YouTube, you're doing yeah. live events. What are these other things that you feel like it's worthwhile investing yourself? And as you said, your savings in right now. Yeah, I would say primarily the events I'm not really investing savings in. I'm I'm trying to do that smart. Yeah, but uh, you're investing your life force in a time in which yeah. you're reinventing yourself. Yeah. But I would say that in terms of that, it, the, the, the if I had a focus, it would probably be YouTube and or video. Talk to me and, about the YouTube strategy. I want to know, like, where what, what are you going to do? Sure. Yeah. People have always known me for on YouTube for doing YouTube video and framing me as... They, they'll say like, I'm an OG because I was there in 2006 when everything you kicked off. Absolutely are the oest of Gs. Um, <laughs> I am. <laughs> but I have, over the years, have had other tech YouTubers like reference me as like this guy, Chris is the inspiration, whether it's Marquez Brownlee or Linus Sebastian on down the line. I've floated away from that because I just didn't double down on tech. Honestly, I just didn't, I didn't take the same path. For better or for worse, it just didn't, it, it, it stopped working for me. And it could have been that I was just burnt out on it at the time. Yeah. I just didn't do it the same way that other people did. I didn't see it the same way other people did. Mm -hmm. And I did not put as much emphasis on production as I, I should have. And I tried my way to do things the way that I thought they were to be done. And it just didn't work. But where- Can you pause for a sec? What did you yeah. not, when you said you didn't put enough emphasis on production, what do you mean? Back when, again- you could just turn on a, a, a camera and then record a video and upload. It's fine. Anybody could do it. But right. then almost overnight, people were up in their production game. And a lot. Everything you see now is so super tight, so super highly edited, man. My shit's all these one take, blah, blah, blah. Let's have a conversation. Yeah. It, but even then, YouTube, I, it, it wants longer content, but, but at the cost of choppy. And it, it's, it, it, it's so it's. <laughs> I did not do what I should have done, clearly. I don't regret doing what I did because ultimately I ended up here. I do regret not thinking differently or thinking that it was always going to work the same way it always had. And it, it, it clearly did not. Now I'm thinking, okay, I know the problems I've faced before. I recognize, and even the videos, because this has only started in the past two weeks. I found an editing team and an optimizer to help at least see if we produce a video, can we produce a video that people are interested in watching? Yeah. Are the, is the existing subscriber base still active? And the feedback that we've received from the it's people a great that we've question. watched, it's been very 
it's given me at least some amount of hope. So the next stage is hiring a writer who is key on retention, who uses humor, who does research. We're talking because script, I would rather script writer sorry, here? like a script writer. Yeah, script writer. Yeah. And then basically the idea would be uh, uh, pick a topic that might be either relevant uh, contemporaneously or have some evergreen value. I, I could basically say to her, okay, let's go with this topic. Let, try to shoot for 500 words, a thousand words, whatever it is, because the length of time is dependent. And then I do, a. the idea would be I intro the video and then I launch into the voiceover. And be, and to do, so to do that, it's less stressful because someone's done the writing. To do that is less stressful because someone else is doing the B-roll. And then all I'm able to do, then what I can do if on, a, on an economy of scale is I could theoretically crank out N voiceovers a day and have that foundation. That's where, have that, the foundation is being laid or it is there. Trying to rebuild on top of that is, is where I am now. So I'm, I'm trying to move rapidly, but the way that gets scaled up is I'm just doing voiceovers. And then at some point I'm able to hand off the baton to have another person also doing voiceovers or doing other content on top of that to introduce other personalities or other people. You follow Philip DeFranco? Oh yeah. Way back. Didn't he do a switch like this where he he used to put his face on the screen and all the visuals were here next to his, him, but then didn't he swap it out for a while where he took his face out and had only the quote-unquote B-roll or visuals? Wouldn't surprise he, me. It's but, just, I don't, it, but I think he went backwards. I think he brought his face back. Probably because of engagement. Like when you train your audience one way or another, this is the, where I'm on the precipice of. It's just a fine mix, right? It's a mix between what's going to work, what isn't. He's I'm, my I'm, gold standard right now for the punchiness of the way the cuts happen and stuff, the audio video fucking, it's like he's on Adderall, like a thousand percent, just like this fucking nonstop flow of amazing fucking shit. Yep. And that's the thing. When you've got enough of a a staff and enough of a team built around you, you can get to that point. And I know that it's not happening immediately for me, but that's the direction I want to be able to go. Because back in the day, Locker Gnome had, I had employees. I had people or yeah. contract laborers to help. We were doing tech video every day. We were turning it around, the news and stuff, and it just didn't, the writing, it wasn't what it needed to be. The content wasn't what it needed to be at the time. And people said that they missed it, but it just never took off. On YouTube, the format for that vertical just never landed. And I've seen other people do it far more successfully than, than I could have. So I'm looking for my mixing my persona with my interests, with yeah. what is going to resonate with the audience. And so I feel like I'm going to tilt closer to a like a watch mojo style with geekiness than, than I'm not familiar else. with that one in particular, but I was gonna ask you to hit me up with a few people. Upgrade my heroes here a little bit. Who should I be watching? Who's well, doing Watch Mojo is not really a he- hero per se. It's a lot of the top ten things you didn't know about things that, you know, uh-huh. become clickbait. And yeah. and that that I feel has got an evergreen presence. And then uh, uh, that's also the thing that allows me to not have to stress as much because there's just, there's only so much I can do. There's only so much knowledge I have. I don't, you could ask me to rattle off the specs on this MacBook that I use. And I'm like, I know it's got, I don't think that's why people watch your shit, bro. I think you it's my personality plus your Venn diagram of interest. That's what people are coming for. That's my hope. And and so I even steered with, I just got the, this is, I'm using the, the new iPhone 15 Pro Max to record this or to stream into this. I've got it connected as a webcam. And 
you know, there's a billion unboxing. It's just like, people have seen this before. I'm like, what can I do? And so I've done in the past unedited fun boxings or slightly edited fun boxings, and they never really resonated. But now that I was able to take that same crazy, wacky, what the hell is this guy on experience and sure. really turn it on its ear with an editing style that is just as what is going on here, it resonates and, and, it, and it catches on. So I have a chance to have that voice while still, you know, giving them, serving up the meat and potatoes. And then have you, you know, published any of these style ones yet? Oh yeah, they're up. Like, yeah, I, I haven't caught one. I, I want to make sure I want to check it out. Yeah. It's all good. The, uh, uh, but yeah, that's, I, I still, yeah. In, personality and humor is key, but then even then there are times I got a little more, I get a little more serious. So, and those are the longer ones, like the ones where I'm going off on how Apple software quality control is absolute hot. Color. I like those ones, man. I really do. And I, I find the algorithm pushing me to be more opinionated than I want to be sometimes. Like it really feels like it pushes you into having a fucking hot take on everything or whatever. You got you know? to. But see, that's the problem, Chris. Everybody's got a hot take. And, and so it's difficult to establish. And I had this conversation with his name's uh, De he's asked Des on social. He recently left T-Mobile after being there for like 20 years. He, yeah. he was a content producer and for you know what they had done. And uh, he was even remarking that everybody's got a platform, but there's no expertise. There's no gravitas, and but they're getting the traffic. Right. Even if yeah. they've got no knowledge, no perspective at all. And at least I might have that going for me. That's great. I've got a laundry list of people who might say, I did YouTube for this because I saw you or I did that because that's great. It doesn't pay the bills. I'm happy to put it, put myself out there to get people doing what they need to get doing, but I got to make sure I'm taking care of myself too. Sure. So yeah. That's the challenge with if you, don't mind, if you don't mind showing a little of the sausage making, what does pay the bills? What's the most profitable suite? Is it you? Is it the YouTube monetization? sponsorship and we've currently got an active sponsorship for the stuff that i do on twitch 24 that, 7 and, and that's where someone's like, yo dude you're now the logitech guy i'm gonna give you 10, 10 grand to be the logitech guy that's a sponsorship yeah but not like that and not exactly you got to do no, 10 would be great but we use Streamyard to broadcast mm -hmm. 24 7 on a 3d printing channel yeah that runs constantly and then i also use it on my personal feed as well yeah so, we use StreamYard specifically. And so then yeah. I negotiated a sponsorship because they were really happy with how we were, they were using the platform at that time. So in many ways, you, to come back to, you know, where does AI play into it? Where does the events play into it? Sponsorship. Where does that, that the, the tech videos, you might make something with ads if you get lucky, but where that where you really take hold is when you are able to nail, start nailing down sponsors and sponsorship. That's, um, yo, that's so we've been esoteric, philosophical. I'd be surprised if anyone who doesn't want to make their own channel is still with us at this point. But I do want to get into some a couple other things. Will you hit me with some like some tips and tools around software you've been using lately, specific AI stuff? Like, what have you been using? You're fucking stoked about, and I can go one for one if, with you if you want. But rattle off some stuff that that you really like people should check out. They're probably the common names, right? Although common to I, you, maybe. Like a lot of folks are still just dipping their toes. The one that I really, the one that I started to use the other day, and I think I'm going to use it a bit more than I, I used to, ideogram.ai. Yeah, it, so ideogram is, let's call it like a mid-journey or like a dolly, but you can put words in images. Well, you can actually say shit. And I feel that the images are far more 
usable. Like it's just, it's, these are, it's in a terms of like logos and graphics and merch shit. They're definitely more usable in that way. Yeah. So what, what, I, is, what I, have you been making in there? Oh, I will often do a, as I find different sites that I find interesting as a creator or like an entrepreneur, I'll share them. So I'll stack up usually about 25 of them a week and I'll share five of them a day in my various social feeds on Mastodon and threads. But on LinkedIn, I'll post all 25 at once because otherwise it is are um, 25 tools. Yeah. Tools that I'm, that might be new or that are just hitting my yeah. radar. Yeah. Uh, and they may be useful to, to others. It helps somebody else. Great. Gamma is another one that I really oh, like. Wait, so sorry, one sec. How are you using an ideogram? Oh, just to generate images to go along with those posts. Uh, like cool. I'll do like right. a robot artist or yeah. something that I find kind of interesting to mix this up with that. Yeah. And they're a dime a dozen now. It's still fun to do. Yeah, I've been just using them to make logos for new project ideas, little icon graphics and stuff for different like tools I've been developing and stuff and just messing around with that team logos and just yeah, kind of ideating with it a little bit. It's been yeah. fun. Or like phrases that come through my mind, like little quotes or phrases, just fun to stick them into ideogram, generate an image, print it out, stick it on the wall, a little fucking inspiration, de-inspirational quotes or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> Demotivational, yeah. 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 So what else you got on your tools list? I mentioned Gamma. That's an easy way to build a website or a deck or a presentation with a, just, a, a, just a few details. It's probably the easiest tool out there to use. What kind yeah. of websites would you make with it tell me what you're doing well with it. i did one because if anybody ever asked for hey could you consult what could you consult on like i had to have something that was organized and so i built a site that basically spoke to the things that i would be able to do do you I pay mean, for that one what's that do you pay for gamma no it's free huh, i mean so you're, you you're able to do the things you want to do without paying for it yeah cool what else you got on your queue yeah, the mid-journey, uh, of course. ChatGPT takes a lot of that cognitive load off for what it what, is. Right what are you doing with GPT? Uh, YouTube. I had been doing YouTube tags and like descriptions. Anytime I need to flush out something for that I just don't want to write. And, and Have you talked with uh, advanced code analysis yet? No. Oh, my I'm God, dude. Oh, my God, dude. It's pretty amazing. Um, I'm sure. Here's your non-developer pro tip about advanced code analyzer. It allows you to attach documents and files. So you don't even need to use the coding component of it. Just by choosing it as the model you have, you can attach like eight PDFs to it and be like, yo, summarize these eight PDFs, find interconnected themes, and output me a summary. Wow. So instead of cutting and pasting into the main token window, you can upload PowerPoints, Word docs, anything like that. So you don't have to be a developer to use the advanced data analysis function. Interesting. I haven't see. I haven't tried. I haven't had a use case for it yet. I how wish about, I did. Um, how about GPT plugins? What are a couple of your faves? I don't have any. I don't pay for GPT. I, uh, I don't okay. think I'm at that point where I could warrant the cost. I pay for Midjourney now, yeah. but I may actually stop again because I'm finding Ideogram to yield just as good results, or even using Dolly. Dude, all this shit is moving so quickly that it is really hard to keep abreast. So I'm sure you maybe know this already, but I may be canceling my mid-journey subscription as well, even though I love it, because yeah. Dolly 3 is coming out, and it's coming out inside GPT. So See. the same 
yeah. prompt interface you use to do your text prompting now in GPT, they're just gonna essentially take mid-journey but better and port it all yep. right on in there to the GPT interface. And that's probably when I'll, I've been debating it, but that's when I, I wanted to see about using Ideogram to try these things, and I'm, I'm very happy with Ideogram. Have very you have you fucked with Poe? Have you seen so. Poe come across? So you remember Trillium? Yeah. Remember back in the day when there was like ten instant messaging platforms? Oh, Trillion. Trillion, yeah. yeah. So you had, you had to have Trillion to talk to all your different friends across yeah, all yeah. your different networks. So there's yeah. one called Poe now, and it's like an AI dashboard, and it's got llama and palm and gpt and Claude and mid-journey and all these things stacked in one interface and you just check one and then you ask your question to that and then you check the next one ask your question to that it's a great way of seeing like what the different models are good at hmm. yeah i haven't uh, heard of that for the creative writing thing dude Claude has been kicking gpt's butt when it comes i use right now here's my secret sauce i'll take this video i'll grab the transcript I'll drop it into GPT and I'll be like, yo, GPT, make detailed notes of my talk with Chris Perilla. It'll and pull out all relevant pull quotes, like things I can use as quotes by themselves. So it goes through and generates this very detailed list. But if I was to actually ask that now to turn it into prose, it fucking screws the pooch, man. It doesn't sound great. It sounds like AI, even despite some other cool hacks I have for making it sound like my voice. So that's when I pull it into the Claude and have it do the writing there. And it's two different people. It's like having a high schooler write it what, versus that. What is that tool? The tool is called Poe, P-O-E. And the creative writing AI that I prefer is Anthropics Claude. Okay. C-L-A-U-D-E. My French friend said I was saying it wrong, so hopefully I'm saying it right now. Um, yeah, dude. It's been super cool. And I've that's my only exposure to Google's Palm model. and. Yeah. Facebook's llama model, both of which I just wanted to tinker with or whatever. And so I've been having a lot of fun with Poe. Interesting. Yeah. yeah I, I hadn't, I hadn't done any of this. My God. I know. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have to explore Poe. Oh man. Yeah. It's cool. It just gives me this window into these different models and starts me helping me think more, not just about like, how does GPT work, but how does AI work in general? Yeah. Cause they are not necessarily synonymous. Wow. Um, all right. What else is on your tool list? I, you know, I really don't use a lot. I don't. What do you record in audio and video in these days? Nope. nope. It's all, I, I hand it off to a human being at yeah. this point. I'm sure they might have their set of tools, but I'm not really production minded. Here's another one of my fucking so fun, empowering pro tools is, and it's not like that new. Other people use it, but Descript, this podcasting and video blogging tool. It here's the real sweet thing, dude. I take the video, I drop it in, it transcribes it, and then I've got these two windows side by side, the picture and the text. I go into the text and I, I can take out words in the text and it goes back to the video and it takes out the audio and video and makes a cut, a beautiful, seamless cut. So I can now edit audio and video in a text file, essentially. Interesting. Yeah, it's super incredible, man. Really interesting. Stoked, really stoked. I'm taking okay. it. <laughs> well, let's, let's switch gears then a little sec. Give me a couple like people who you're super tuned into now. Who do you think is doing a great job out there? We, we mentioned Phil DeFranco, but let's go about some other ones. God. How about Matt Wolf? You checked out Matt Wolf? Mm -hmm. No? It's my favorite video podcast on the internet right now. Apparently I'm going to you. Yeah, dude. He's so cool. His site's called Future Tools. And, oh, um, yeah. Okay. I, do, I, I guess I do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
His uh, video blog, dude, is hot shit. Oh, I bet. You want to talk about condensing like a week's worth of stuff into this punchy, highly edited, highly produced. Uh, it's incredible. I don't what? know if I've watched the video, but I think he's one of the people that I follow on X. Oh, yeah, man. He's, he's a legit source, dude. He's a first order knowledge fountain. Oh, I believe it. I absolutely believe it. Anyone else you know, that, you're, that you're thinking of? I guess I don't really watch content, certainly not the way I used to. I even ignore a lot of my YouTube subscriptions. This is a good chance for your audience and mine to make some suggestions then, like who we should be checking out and watching. <laughs> yeah. And drop it in on there, like who we should be right. checking out. Because usually what will happen is someone will send me a link, right? And yeah. then I watch or listen to that. And so yeah. that's more often than not the people that I follow or listen to because there's so much content these days and I, I know people and I know of people, but I just don't have, I ain't got time even for the things that I love. Yeah. I spend more time, more of my time watching produced content as in traditional content, like streaming media, like on Apple TV plus or Paramount plus or whatever on all the streaming media platforms. When I have like bandwidth, I spend more time with that than I do online content. Fascinating, man. Yeah. I was there for a while, but I'm right back slurping up as much as I can off the internet these days. It's just what's captivated my imagination. Hey, I want to go back in time a little bit and just talk about some of the Gnome Deck stuff because it's meant so much to me over the years. I just wanted to put out there that like people I still work with to this very day came from meeting them at Gnome Decks. That's funny. And it was early internet. It was focused around personal publishing. To say that it was non-commercial is not exactly fair because there was sponsors and money to be made and stuff, but the commercial nature of it was more innocent or something. Like it wasn't as much. I don't know. I don't know if I'd go that far. It was a model that I wish could have continued to work, but I I knew that it just wouldn't because not being an event production guy with that kind of background, it was a challenge and not really having a stable team every year was like reinventing. Despite people having knowledge of it, that's just not enough. And without a stable foundation and an understanding of what needs to be done and by whom and having that carefully curated, I I went out and after the 10th year and I was done. And by, by then TEDx, had come around as, right. as, a, as yeah. a model. I'm like, that's great. I, well, no I may be asking the wrong guy here, considering you're so jaded these days, but <laughs> I've, I feel like I had a bit of an epiphany last week. I was at Dent, the Dent the Future Conference down mm-hmm. in Santa Fe, and I was sitting there just blissed out, man, having like an I love the world moment. I was looking around. I was like, man, the connections in this community are so rich and so deep, and I actually like care about these people. I'm invested in their life. This is pretty fucking amazing. And then the next thought I had was like, things didn't always start off this way. And the only way to make things this way is time. This element of time passing and those relationships really, even ours growing over 20 years or something, it's a lot different than just some hot new creator on the internet or whatever. Like I'm invested in more than just your show, your life and stuff. And so anyway, I, as I was sitting there, I'm like, yo, Chris, if you truly do want to have something like this someday, the only way to do it is to put your stake in the ground now and to declare based around my personality, my unique interests, and the beauty of the networks that I've put into place over my life. I am going to, I think, start a conference. <laughs> have fun. 
<laughs> Tell me, hit me up. Talk me out of it. Talk me out of it. No, I will not talk you out of it because I've had the experience several times over, not just with Gnome Ducks. I ran <laughs> Blogger Fair for four years, tried to pivot that, just didn't have the right team. Did a couple of like toy collecting events, which I loved, mm -hmm. but just didn't have the right partnerships. I'm, I've been doing the creatortech.net, the, these meetups, mixers in Redmond that I'm hoping will catch on. I'm hoping, but I, I'm trying. I'm like trying to make connections. I'm trying to build that up yeah. uh, and do it in a way that I want to do it because I love the com conversational nature of events. But the next one I'm staging to do, I'm into 3D printing now yeah. uh, and I love it. In fact, the first time I heard about it, if you were there that year, we had Bree Pettis on stage. I'm friends with Bree to this very day because of MakerBot launch at Gnome Dex. This is the type of thing I'm talking about, man. I wasn't into it then. I'm like, what is this? What am I going to do with this? And uh, it's, made it's those little you made us those coins with your coins phone. With the cheat. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 everything old is new again, right? But uh, I'm setting, I've been wanting to do in the, there have been a handful of community-driven 3D printing events that go by RepRap Fest. So Earth mm -hmm. or Murph would be Midwest RepRap Fest, East Coast RepRap Fest. There's different RepRap Fests. So these are community-driven events that are usually done at uh, uh, fairgrounds. And yeah. I kind of want to do something different. And I, I don't know what it was. And there's now an opportunity for me to do... What's the word I'm looking for? There's an opportunity for me to do a... Uh, a 3D printing event. And I've been yeah. looking for a venue and a viable you know, possibility. Like I did with the Creator Tech. I'm like, I'm not going to pay for a venue and charge people who aren't going to show up. Like, it's just not, it's there. There's, I, I don't have the same connections as I used to. Yeah, totally. World. But for 3D printing, I know the community is here. They just need a place to go. And yeah. so I'm working in good faith with a, a local place that was doing an event anyway this fall, winter. Yeah. yeah. And, they we'd been doing this dance well, yeah i'd be interested in doing something with y'all and nothing for a while and they said no we won't be able to do it because of this that and the other thing so i just iced it then they came back to me and says hey we're going to be doing an event that's going to be this type of audience very much in the same vein of the, the type of audience that's interested in 3d printing would you be interested in doing your 3d printing event for maker deck that's the name of the 24 7 twitch channel maker deck you can go there now and see. I'll, I can pull it up on the second monitor and show you. The, uh, but basically, we're going to have an event in tandem, and it'll be adults only because the way the event is, I don't think that's going to be much of a problem because of the crossover. Yeah, but yeah. I'm doing a Maker Deck event this winter, so I'm a not going to. I'm not going to try to tell you don't do an event because it's very. You learn a lot. You're on the radar in a different way. You gain experience. You'll stress out. You will literally die and then come back to life. Like you, you don't realize I will give you some tips. Good because I'm about to ask you to join my advisory board. So please give me some <laughs> tips. Oh boy, I stepped into it. So <laughs> mit minimize your risks up front. Um, mitigate, mitigate your risks. Bootstrap as much as you possibly can. Make connections where you possibly can. And when you're in the process, you'll learn a lot. And I've certainly learned about what I don't want to do or how I don't want to do it, how I want to have the event be done and how to drive it. I can host the shit out of anything. Sure. But the thing to keep in mind, day of event, you're done. That's it. You sure. can't do 
yeah. you can try changing things. But you have to switch into the host with the most mode. Set it all aside balls and you're just there to have a good time. Yeah. Trust me, things are going to blow up. Yeah. Someone's cat exploded. Then yeah. you have to think, clean it up. And oh then you got exploding this decision. You, you got it. It's it. You're in. A, it's in a different mindset. And then when you're done, you just you you this you feel this sense of accomplishment that is un, almost unparalleled. And that's the thing. That sense of accomplishment that you get is the thing that energizes you to do the next event, even when you know you're going to die. Right. <laughs> and well, come you back know, to life. I've got a couple things um, that I'm thinking of as I go into this. I'm trying not to be manic about it. I'm trying not to be like I'm going to have the biggest be the best event of all time or anything like that. I'm hoping to have. 35 paid people in the first year or something like that. I'm building my budgets around like a pretty small core that can grow out over time. I'm, I, I'm approaching it from the sitting there at Dent perspective of looking back on a 10 year arc. So I'm looking 10 years from now and I want to be in a sweet venue, in a sweet location with tier right. one keynotes, awesome right. activities, great musicians and bands playing. And we'll just, we'll get their baby steps along the way or whatever stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to bite off a small chunk. And then that, I'm going to do that chunk. And then I'm going to do That's what I was thinking. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be like just, uh, it's going to be artier than a lot of tech events. I want to bring in some South by Southwest stuff. I want to bring in some Burning Man slash bar camp slash food camp values of, I'm sorry, there's no attendees here. There's only participants. You've got to bring something to the table if you want to be a part of this community or whatever. Right. And it can, it's got to be a little bit more than just money. We all bring our money to the table, but you got to bring something else too. Right. Uh, is maybe the ethos and yeah, i mean like, i even feel a bit of a sense of responsibility because dude as a photographer i've got to go to the coolest events in the whole wide world i've been to the ted talks the pop decks the south by southwest the dent the gnome decks whatever and like, i've ingested all this shit and synthesized it and now i want to share my unique perspective of it with other group of people that's reasonable yeah man that, that yeah. is yeah i I say go for it because ultimately, even if take do your own spin, you'll iterate. The first gnome decks that I did was different from the last one. Like it evolved. I let it have a life of its own. So in many ways, like what I'm doing with the creatortech.net stuff, being the conversations at the crossroads of creativity or creators, much like you and me, entrepreneurs and technologists. Like I feel like that's the thing, but I don't know. Maybe okay. it's going to get co-opted. I don't know, but I've I got a question here for you. Me. And maybe I should wait for our first advisory more meeting, but I'm going to ask it out loud right here, right now. So part of what I think makes Dent work is Steve Broback and Jason Preston are equal partners in this thing. And what that allows it to do is it allows it to be easily bigger than either of them. So Gnome Dex wasn't about Chris Perillo, no. but it was. I didn't and want it to be. I know, but it was inevitable by the strength of your personality and interests, all the rest. So this thing that I'm doing, yeah, I want it to be Krugfest, but I don't really want it to be Krugfest. I want it to be Dentesque. Do you think that I should consider doing the Steve Broback, Jason Preston thing? Or do, should I align with a peer who shares my interest in, and that we make a new thing together and it is one more step removed from my persona? As long as you... That's where it comes down to agreements and, and understandings and boundaries. You're like, as long as you find someone you can work with for a decade? Yeah, not just that. Your goals are aligned, your vision's aligned, and they are a complement to you, not a mirror of you. And that's challenging mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I have found through 
years of doing what I've done that, that some people that I might, not everybody's this way, but a lot of the people that I might have attracted want to be me. And sure. I don't mean that in the- I know exactly what you mean. Right. They want to be in the orbit, but they also want to be me. Yeah, and you need the one I, guy to go out there and front the business. And then you need another guy who's sitting there to, organizing to run it. and all the teams in, together and stuff. So I have tried and I have failed at putting things together and ultimately giving rise to personalities. I've mm -hmm. tried and failed. Mm -hmm. And the moment that a personality steps out of something that I've done, I'm like, I've fucked up again. Yeah. I, that's my feeling I, that I screwed yeah. up and it, it lost its way. And that was the right person at the right time, but all the more reason why, especially when I'm very key on maker deck, not being personality driven, very, mm -hmm. Yeah. adamant it because you your, your personality driven specifically yeah i don't i'm like I, chris perillo is personality driven right i don't want locker gnome to be personality driven for now i have no choice because it that's the thing it pays the bills but at some point i'll be able to pass that baton because it'll be abstracted for me and i'm just like how linus sebastian right? know linus yeah. but keep being in the thumbnail but not in the video so it's like it's that kind of abstraction where that value is still there but there's a deeper value than beyond just not being able to scale a personality or having it tied to that personality. And if they go, that's it. The project goes. I'm like, it's, yeah, that was the wrong person. Dude, that was the wrong I person. love thinking through this stuff and talking through it with you, man. It is so cool to be like reconnected and just to really watch you reinvent yourself, like doing the learning out loud, living out loud thing. Man. Yeah. I respect the fuck out of it. Seriously. I appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, we got like five minutes left. What else do you want to talk about? I don't know. We talked about coffee, veganism, AI conferences content high, high school bullying no we didn't get into that although yeah I, i've had it my my daughter apparently she's nine she's turned nine having problems with the girl on the bus and i'm like i i told her so i know exactly how you feel i had problems with people that thought they could push me around and for years i let them and i said you know the only thing that stops a bully is standing up to them it's not fun it's not easy but i i had to do it and you know what even the scariest bully in high school man I, I really thought he was going to kill me. Man, he, and one day, because I, I looked like an easy target, yeah. and you just can't give him the satisfaction. I said, no, don't even bother arguing. Don't engage. You're, you don't need to. Stay on, stay on your path. And when they realize that they can't get to you, they'll just move on. And one day, he pushed me from behind in gym class. I turned around, and I pushed him from behind. This okay. guy's bigger than me. He was, a, he was not exactly... Every you have the different classes of kids in school, not exactly in the upper class, not exactly in the lower, but just like one you didn't want to mess with. Yeah, the person that you just did not want to mess with. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, but I did it instinctually. I'd be like, no, this is the time to stand. And I threw up my fists. So oh my God, I'm so glad I didn't have to use them. And I'm. So, and here's the thing, he didn't. He didn't really didn't bother me from that point on. He, yeah, he, he was like he was surprised, but I think in. This is my own narrative, but I think in many ways he respected me. Absolutely. Oh, he's not going to be. I'm like, no, I'm done. Yeah. And that's what it took. So, yeah, there's your high school bullet. You brought it up. I'm like, I got a story for I you. Know, man. It's so funny. It applies all the way to this very day. There's a couple times recently people have been trying to bully me online a little bit and stuff. You know, and just kind of like standing up saying you're not going to take it. And it's not easy. Like people have backed the fuck off once you tell them that. Yeah, no, this is not, this is the boundary. Mm -hmm. This is the boundary. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's key. Yeah, I could go on. Dude, you can give me any topic and I can spin on it for an hour. I'm a talker. 
I'm no, a content no, producer. No need, man. I think we've really covered a lot of ground. I actually thought we'd sit around and talk about some of the good old times, but we'll save that for another one. A bonus yeah. podcast for the yeah. history, bu- history buffs in the room or whatever. Yeah. yeah. RSS. Well, I shall. Oh my God. It does. On that topic, dude, I think that some of the energy I'm feeling right now around AI and this whole stuff does harken back to rocking the web like it's 2005, man. I got my Tumblr back. I'm blogging again. I got my podcast going. Talking to Matt Mullenweg from Automatic on the podcast tomorrow. It's you know, nice. Yeah, the time yeah, machine. Tell, tell him I said hi. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Dude. He was at, I don't know if he was ever, he was at a Gnome Dex, but we were in each other's over. I remember him showing me WordPress.com before it launched. I remember, but I don't think that was at Gnome Dex. I went to WordCamp Vancouver yesterday and I realized while I was there, it was 20 years ago that Northern Voice was in that same room and I met for the first time Matt Mullenweg, Robert Scoble, a whole bunch of you motherfuckers that came up to Vancouver to do personal publishing conferences. And I was literally right. in the same building 20 years later at WordCamp and I had just this surreal experience. I think before anything happened, Darren Barefoot, rest yeah. in peace. Yeah. He, he was asking me, he was at Gnomedex and he was asking me for advice before he, he, everything got kicked up in Vancouver in and around that time. And I remember giving him advice and guidance and I hope it helped. I think about... Derek Miller, Derek. and I think about Darren Barefoot quite a bit. Those are a couple like pillars of our community at that time who are no longer with us. And it is, it's the, it's the booby prize of that thing I was telling you about time and richness mm-hmm. and community yeah. is people do move on and it's sad, but sending out love to their friends and family and letting everyone know, I still think about those guys all the time. I do. Believe it or not, they, they do cross my mind every so often. They do. Yeah, man. That's awesome. I love you, Chris Perillo. Me too. Yeah. Talk soon, dude. Thank you very much for hanging out with me on the podcast. Thank you, Chris. Over and out.